for once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. Hayden, welcome to the Empower Podcast. First ever episode and you're here, dude. Dude, I'm stoked. This is super exciting. I love the name Empower Podcast. I think that's going to be awesome. Dude, I'm so excited to have you on here. Hayden, you've been with us for the last two years now. This is your second year with the company, right? Yes. And last year you crushed it, and this year you're leading a team. So there's so much good stuff we have to talk about. And in the past, we used to have like a live call where we had a lot of questions. So I'm super excited to have a podcast style where you and I can just have a solid hour going back and forth, trying to learn from each other, trying to help the guys. The reason we call it the Empower Podcast is because we really want this podcast to empower all of our reps and to help them reach their full potential. So I appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. So, hey, I think a lot of guys in the company maybe know who you are, maybe they don't. And I think we'll have a lot of new reps listening to this as well in the future. So I want to give a little bit of a background on you. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Those type of questions. The ones that we all want to know but we don't want to say. So, Hayde, first of all, how old are you right now? I am, I'm 22 years old right now. Um, I'm from Heber City, Utah, same as a lot of the other guys around here. Uh, I was introduced to the company by my cousin, Hunter Clark, who was introduced to the company by Kaiden Hansen, which was his next door neighbor. And we were all within about five houses of each other. We all grew up doing sports together, had a lot of similar interests. Um, most of us grew up, went on our missions. I actually went to Dallas, Texas, came back, was going to school. Didn't really love school. I mean, I was just kind of doing it to do it. That's what everyone was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I initially wanted to go into medical. That's kind of what I was going into it. I only was really getting my generals done. And then a couple of my friends, a couple of my cousins were reaching out to me like, oh, you should do sales, you should do sales. And I never really wanted to do it because I grew up working construction with my dad all the time. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like, <laughs> at least in Heber, I don't know, in the construction world, like if you go make money like through sales or something like this, you don't get respect. You know what I mean? You don't get respect from fellow construction workers or old you know the good old boy kind of guys in Heber um and so I was talking to my dad about it and my dad was like I just think it's a really good opportunity like even if it's not a long-term thing I think you should do it like I think it's a good opportunity and when my dad said that I don't know like I wasn't really searching for his approval but then when he said that it was just like oh yeah like that totally makes sense I'm just gonna hop on the train and so I was going back and forth between a couple different companies um I was talking a lot with like Aptiv and a little bit with Moxie and then um, Terminex, which at the time was uh, Vantage. Mm, yeah. And they were all pretty good. I mean, a couple of those guys I did know that were over at that company, but I didn't know them like as well as I knew Hunter and Kaiden and Trevin, some of the guys out here. And from what it looked like with the other pest control companies and the solar company out, like Brandon, who and Jake, who I was talking to, it seemed like the money going to be the same everywhere I went. Um, but the biggest difference for me at first was just like, I'm going to be with guys that I like. I'm not going to be too far away from home. It's going to be a good situation. And so that's kind of what sold me on coming with empower 
Um, I really love Brandon and Jake. Brandon's integrity was like to the top. I felt like I was talking to a lot of other people and I was just like, yeah, eh, you know, I just had that uneasy feeling. And then when I went to breakfast with Jake and Brandon, I really liked Jake and he was my age, but it was so cool to see Brandon who was like older and like you just look in his eyes and on his face and I was like, dude, this dude knows what's up. I'm just going to follow whatever he's doing and he sold me on it. Dang. That's cool, dude. I just learned it's so funny. Even though I've been around and I guess you're talking third person. These guys are probably confused. Guys, I'm Jake, who Hayden's talking about. I'm Jake. And I've known Hayden since the beginning. Like Just like he just said, I went to a breakfast with him the very first time. Brandon and I went and took him out, got to know him, etc. And even through this podcast, even though I spent so much time with Hayden, I just learned new stuff. I didn't know that originally your plan was medical. I had no clue, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how serious I was about it, but like, yeah. that was just kind of how I was feeling about life then. For sure. So you grew up in Hebrew Midway, your whole life, kind of planning on doing maybe medical, maybe construction stuff. You didn't really know exactly, right? Yeah, just kind of in between. It, it was kind of what I was familiar with because I felt like I knew people who did construction and then I knew people that were like, nurse anesthetist so like an anesthesiologist yeah and those were the people i looked up to the most in my life did either that trade or the other for sure so that was kind of your plan and then you graduated high school went on a mission came back and you were kind of in that weird stage of trying to figure it out like we're all in i think a lot of people that are on this call have experienced that post high school maybe post mission post college whatever that experience is where you're like all right now what do i do and you kind of start looking around, and that's when you were thinking, oh, maybe I'll go do sales, right? Is that when kind of the Aptive Search and Moxie and Terminex and Solar, everything kind of came to the table in between school for you? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I felt like a lot reaching out to me, and then, like I said, when I got my dad's, like, approval, we were at the canvas pool, and I was, like, talking to him. We were watching my nephew run around, mm-hmm. and he was just like, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good opportunity, and then... I was like, okay, like all these people who have reached out to me, I'm going to like hit them up and just see what they have to offer. Dang, that is crazy. I still remember that breakfast with you, dude. We went to breakfast at Ernie's, a little spot in Orem, <clears throat> and you had driven down from Hebrew that day. And Brandon and I went and met with you. That was late, I don't know if it was fall of 2019, if it was spring 2020, but we met, went and met with you and you were like, yeah, I don't know what to do because all of my friends are going with your company. I remember that conversation. You was like, yeah, this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy are all going to sell with you guys. I'm kind of on the fence still. What should I do? And we talked that one time for breakfast and then whatever else happened after. Next thing we know, you were out there. And I want to hear about your first summer, dude. Your first experience. Do you still remember your first day on the doors or your first day really getting out and working? Yeah, dude, I actually do. Um, I remember there was a a big influx of setters who came out at the time that I did. I think there was, when I I think about it, it felt like a ton of guys, but it was probably only like eight to 10 guys. So really not that big of a team at the Mm -hmm. time. I mean, a decent sized team. And I remember um, a couple guys went knocking with maybe Jacob McCord and maybe a couple guys went out with um, Thomas Morrow. Maybe not. I can't remember. And then a couple guys went out with, and so I was one of the guys who went out with Kaiden, and we knocked two doors with Kaiden. The first one, the people asked us if we were like Boy Scouts and what <laughs> we were doing to fulfill our merit badge. Uh-huh. And then the second person that we talked to, we pulled his bill, 
but he was like super uneasy about it because there was um, like four of us there. And so wow. I kind of thought, yeah. So there's like an army on the doorstep. Like you and four guys knock this door and you pull it, but he's like, what's going on here? Pretty much. Like we all have our iPads. We all have like little badges. We're all like sweating in the pits. And the guy's just <laughs> like, what's going on here? And I remember thinking we had to go through some gate. It was out in um, like almost in between Victorville and Palmdale, it's Lake Los Angeles. So we were on dirt, sand roads. I remember walking, you know, lizards, snakes, no pavement anywhere. And yeah, we're just out in the middle of nowhere. And some guy's like, why is there four people out of my house here in Lake Los Angeles? Dang, that is crazy. So you pulled that bill, you kind of learned all together. I'm sure that was kind of a funny, fun day knocking with the crew. And then the next day, did you go knock by yourself or what happened after that? No, dude, after that second door, I was like, if I'm going to pull any more bills, I got to be alone. <laughs> you <laughs> like, kind of, you saw no, it. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah, so I like, hit a couple streets. I remember the first couple doors I knocked, and it was like, I don't know what the crap I just said. Like, it didn't end up working out. And then I went and talked to this one guy, or this couple. They were older, tiny bill. I pulled their bill. The dude came out of his home, and he was like, shirt off. Uh, piercings all over his body not just his you know head on his chest and whatnot (laughs) and it was like a I think it was like a three kilowatt maybe like a 2.8 kilowatt system Uh and I said it and then Thomas Morrow went to it and he actually closed it and that was your first bill that was like my very first bill I ever pulled oh my gosh so first bill nothing crazy huge but your first bill you pulled you got this guy showing up, kind of a little sketchy looking. You're probably questioning a lot of things. You're not in Hebrew anymore. And then you have sent Thomas to it, and Tom does his job and closes the deal. Yeah, I made a fat commission, dude, like 392 bucks or yeah. something like that. Wow. You got rich on your first deal. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but that was probably enough to show you, like, wow, this is possible. It actually works. Yeah, I know. I was like, dang, well, if I get enough of those a day then that could be something good because I really didn't know. I mean, I thought about solar and like obviously I'd went to some of the meetings with Jake and Brandon and whatnot and I'd heard about the different commissions and whatnot, but I just like wasn't for sure on how it all worked because what I had experienced was just 392 bucks. So I was like, oh, if I get a bunch of those a day, yeah, I can make a really good good profit. Yeah. That's funny that you were, you were thinking, man, if I can make a bunch of $400 sales, I'll make some good money. <laughs> Right. And lots of change since then, huh? Definitely. So then you started doing that. How long did you set for your first summer? I set for about three weeks. Um, so I remember like Hunter. So where we lived, we were all kind of stuffed into a house. Hunter, who was the one introducing my cousin, uh-huh. um, who, who runs a team now, as you know. Then we slept in the same bed because we're cousins. We grew up like we're just whatever. And there was we had a king size bed so we just slept in it together and he pretty much started to self gen close his own deals from week one i think he maybe set for one or two days mm-hmm. and a name i'll just set the whole entire time like i i felt like i could set like i didn't mind setting appointments I, I could work all day and it wasn't that big of an issue for me um so i was like originally thinking i was like yeah i'm just gonna set i'm gonna set and then my commission started to get a little bigger but it was like you know 1200 bucks Maybe I remember I almost made like Jake McCord almost closed a 
he got halfway through the documents with this one person that was like an eight kilowatt and I almost made like two grand or something from it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I just like, I'm working so hard. I just need to put it in better areas. And then after hunters just slinging, slinging, slinging deals, the guy right next to me is making 10 X what I'm making yeah. every single night. I just decided I needed to jump into it. <laughs> that is funny. So you and Hunter sharing a bed, living somewhere up in the desert and you're like, this guy's doing it. I've got to do it. Pretty much. Cause I've talked to him about it. I was like, dude, is it like easy? Like what's it? He's like, dude, it's e- easier than setting. He kept telling me it's easier than setting. Which I agree with hundred percent. I think if you can set, you can close. It's one of my theories. A lot of people hear me say often is I'm a firm believer that if you can set, you can close and you don't really learn how to set until you learn how to close. Right. Oh yeah. And so I think it's totally true what he was telling you. And so you did. So you started closing the rest of that summer and then you ended up staying into the fall a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. I ended up staying till November. Till November. So you were there last year from May 1st till November. Mm-hmm. Give or take. So did you quit school that fall semester or did you keep going to school online or what happened to school? What happened to medical? Yeah. So I felt like I had this in, in when I started the summer, I planned to go back like August. I don't know what it was, maybe August 14th or 15th or something like that. Yeah. And I was talking to Kaiden and Kaiden was kind of trying to get me to stay. And then I remember Hunter was on a couple of phone calls with Brand. And it was trying to give him good options to stay, just like look at the benefits, look at the positive. And then COVID was really in the full swing of things. And so school is all online anyways. And to me, I was like, I, I'm not very good at learning online, mostly just because I choose not to spend the time to do it. I feel like I could maybe do it okay, mm-hmm. but I just have never enjoyed it. So that was kind of a big push. But what it was is kind of was like, what amount of money do you need to make for you to stay out here till November, like start doing this more full time. And I was like, dude, if I can make a hundred thousand dollars by August, I'll stay like I'm sold. Wow. I didn't know that. So that was your threshold. You said, when was this that you said that? Was that June that you said that? May, July? That that was probably like mid June or July. Mid July. No, maybe maybe not. No, it was mid June probably. So mid June, you're saying, Hey, if August comes around, I'm at hundred K I'm sticking around pretty much. And that's what happened. It sounds like, is that what you hit by August? Well, the day I was going to go home, um, like I wasn't, I didn't have my stuff packed up and I was like, I'm about to head home. But I pretty much, by the time that I rolled around, things are going well. And I figured, you know, might as well just stay. Yeah. Um, we were having a really good time and we were also making good money. And, um, I looked at like my commission sheet or whatever, what I was projected to make mm-hmm. was like $99,540. No like way. So your last day, the day you're supposed to go home, you were right there. Pretty much. Like, I guess I didn't quite hit it short a couple hundred dollars, but I was pretty much right there. Dude, the six figure summer, the promised six figure summer sales summer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's what we all are always going for. That's kind of always the dream. That is hilarious that you got there and it was your last day. So that's when you're like, all right. So, you, so t- up to the very last day, you didn't know what you were doing. I kind of knew what I was doing. Like I kind of figured I would stay, but like if I was only at like 40K or something like that, I still would have been happy that I had made that. 
but it might have been like, okay, well, maybe this like really isn't for me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Totally. So that's, you kind of knew and then it happened. Then you end up staying until the fall. And what do you like? And in the next couple months, you probably made another 50, 75 grand and guessed on top of that. Right. Something like that. Awesome, dude. That's freaking sick. That's crazy. And that propelled you to this year where you decided to go home, start recruiting like crazy, start getting some buddies, start training guys. And now this year you're running a team. Yeah. The thing that's kind of crazy about that is I feel like when I went home, I didn't have crazy intentions to recruit a ton of guys. Like hmm. I, I had a couple guys that I was talking to last summer when I was doing sales and I was just letting them know how it went. And they were like, Oh dude, that's like super interesting. Oh man. Like I think I could get on that train. And so I really only told like a couple guys about it. Cause I don't know why I was just kind of nervous to have a team. I was like, as you know, with COVID, I mean, permitting was a little bit harder and we had to work around a couple of different things that made the summer still very profitable, yeah. but just a little bit harder. And so I was okay with it, but I was scared to, um, like confidently tell people certain things for sure. And so, cause I just didn't, I didn't know a couple of things. So the first little bit, I wasn't recruiting super hard, but I definitely told some friends about it and they were pretty interested in it. And then when I found more about out about this year, about like permitting and a couple different changes that had been made, not necessarily with the company, but with like the location that we were in and the state and permitting offices and solar installation and all that kind of stuff. Then I was like full board. I was like, okay, I have no, nothing's holding me back at all. And I just started telling a couple of my friends about it, telling them about my experiences. And I feel like it sold itself enough to those guys that they just started telling their friends and telling their friends. And then we ended up with a decent sized team. Dang, dude, that's amazing. I think that's super inspirational for anybody listening to this call is really, you came out one year, made 150, 175, something like that. I'm not sure. And then the next year you're going to crush it. Like within two years, of working for the company, you'll have probably brought in for yourself anywhere from seven to $800,000. Is that a fair assessment? It's probably pretty fair, yeah. I mean, that's just insane to me to think that you started May 2019 and you'll work till, or sorry, May 2020 and you'll work till the end of 2021 and have seven, 800 grand to show for it. Yeah, and I think something that is a big factor in that is the way that Jake and Brandon were running the company. I failed to mention this before, but like last summer, some of the determining factors of what kept me out here a little bit longer was Brandon and Jake would hire investors, people with good credit, people just teaching us how to invest in real estate, stock markets, you know, whatever it may be, just influential speakers to come do podcasts with us, not podcasts, like interview calls with us. Yeah. And, and I feel like my whole entire perspective changed on life where um i talk about it sometimes with my wife it's just like how she grew up how i grew up and then what the opportunity is in front of us and how just those little things that jake and brandon did to help me understand how important financial freedom is for me was like huge and i knew that this would be the best and most enjoyable track like doing solar with empower to get to my future goals of um, financial freedom. 
Dang, that's a good insight. And again, if you want to, you can say uh, Brandon, you or whatever, so people aren't confused. But guys, that's such a good insight when you guys are listening to this podcast. Anybody that tunes in, Hayden's saying once he saw the bigger picture, that's what made it easier for you to stay and have oh, work yeah. harder and like really fulfill those goals. Is Sometimes if you don't understand what the money is going to do for you or what financial freedom looks like or what's possible once you have some money or whatever, then it's kind of tough. But once you understand those things, that's when you cross that bridge to like, oh, let's go all in. Let's do this thing. Oh, yeah. Now my wife and I were uh, – one thing that we think would be really cool is my wife loves to like decorate and design a couple things. Mm-hmm. And obviously we got married just a couple months ago, and we've been to a couple other weddings since then. And we're like, wouldn't it be so cool to have like a wedding venue? Oh, you know, wow. like on a cool property. And so – journal or like notepad that we're starting to write like what we want to do what ideas we think is cool and really start putting our goals and our dreams on the paper so we can make it happen dang that's awesome so your wives have kind of changed and you're kind of working together and obviously you have this job figured out like like we said seven or eight hundred grand two years is crazy at 20 you're 22 hey is that what you said yeah dang that's crazy so at 22 years old, that's insane. And I think that everyone wants to know how to get there. And I think it all starts with understanding setting first, getting that down pat. And then once you understand how to set effectively, then transitioning over to closing, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that everyone in this company that can pull bills, that can set appointments, should try and close deals. Oh, yeah. And I think you're holding yourself back. And so I want to first talk to Hayden about that. I want to talk to you about, hey, how do you actually set an appointment? What's your pitch look like? How do you do this? How do you do that? What's your follow-ups? What bills do you pass on? How do you know they're going to pass credit? How do you know they're going to sit down with you, et cetera? And then we'll transition to closing. I assume, Hayden, that right now you probably have quite a few setters setting for you just because of the nature of the job. You're a manager right now, lots of new guys. Is that right? Yeah, I have a couple of them. A lot of of them have been transitioning uh, so I have like 17 guys and over half of them are going into self-gen or self-genning right now. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So you're really making the transition. So you'll get back to self-genning soon. But all last summer, your first year with us, I'm sure that you self-genned almost the whole year. Yep, pretty much. So, I mean, you had self-genning down before this year even started, which I think is so valuable. And I think a lot of people overlook that. They want to skip the self-genning part, but that's where you really learn stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's when you really get things figured out. So when it comes to your pitch and when you're knocking doors, what do you usually say? What does your pitch sound like right now? Maybe we can just do a role play just to start things off because we can kind of give people the idea roughly what you're saying. Obviously, I know the doors are always different. There's roundabout crazy questions. There's always that crazy woman that asks you insane things. But roughly, let's just go through your pitch, and then we'll kind of see where that takes us. Is that okay? Yeah. One thing before – that I'll try and soak up before I start knocking doors in a specific area is depending on the location and how old the homes are and or how new the homes are, how big they are, how small they are, what the roof conditions are. It's kind of how I'll adjust my pitch and I try and find hot buttons. So like if I'm in a area where there's maybe nicer homes, but they are maybe built 1990s, early 2000s, where everything is still pretty good um, but a lot of people in that area seem to have like main panel issues where they have to flip their breaker all the time. Mm-hmm. 
then that's one of the big big things and so i'll try and hit on hot buttons so um yeah we can just jump into a, a pitch no but that, i think that's awesome so what you're saying is every pitch in every area is going to be a little bit different because you use different different sources of like trying to get them what a hot button is guys if you guys don't know what a hot button is that's something that's going to make the customer want to buy it's one certain thing that that customer is going to really like about what you're doing and everyone has different hot buttons right Hayden? Mm-hmm. oh yeah and that's why hayden's saying he goes and he looks at the area and he tries to kind of figure out where he's at to try and figure out some hot buttons so he can throw those into his pitch yeah so like for example um last night i was in this one area and i knew a lot of people in that area like their main panels flicker all the time mm-hmm. and i just like pushed on that for a long time and that was one of his hot buttons and then another one of his hot buttons is that i was so close and i was there to be you know when the site survey comes i'm going to be there when they're installing i'm going to be there when they're doing all these different things i'm going to be there and he loved that because he's had he, he tells me he's like i have had probably six solar salesmen at my house just in this last year i mean we're not even halfway through the year wow and they get attitude with me or they start to do something i don't like i just send them out Damn. and so i think one thing that maybe not might not look like a hot button but is a hot button that for most people is just talking to people like it's my grandma or someone maybe my grandpa like you care <laughs> like you love them yeah like yeah i'm i'm local i can help you out i'll be here through every step of the process this is what worked out for the rodriguez is over here your home seems to be similar to theirs maybe just a little bit different floor plan built in the same year talk really slow and soft to people yeah no that makes sense those are some good tips i think that's super applicable is if people feel like you actually care they're going to trust you and they'll get signed up with you and so going through your pitch, when you go out and knock doors, do you, do you have, so obviously I know we have some different hot buttons that we're throwing there, but what's like your bone stock pitch maybe? Like what are you going to yeah. kind of always go about and then what are some things we'll throw into after? So let's just go through like a little role play so everyone can kind of hear. If I'm the homeowner and you're obviously the solar rep, let's go through that. Okay. So I'll knock on the door and I'll say, is this the Ebert's residence? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, great. I'm Hayden. And I usually put my hand to my chest, just like, yeah, I'm Hayden. Kind of, I don't know what, maybe it's like polite. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, I'm Hayden. I'm just following up on the net metering program. Do like a short little gesture, small one to the side of their home. Just following up on the net metering program. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been in the home for a couple of years? You know, if you have the meter, I'll ask those first couple of questions. Say, okay, I'm going to go check that out real quick, verify that you guys do have that and it's working properly, then I'll be right back. So occasionally I'll invite them to go check out the meter if they want to, if they're like pretty eager to come out. So I'll come out, I'll like run my finger over the meter, make sure I can look at it good, look at my iPad a couple of times. Because a lot of times you'll have like cameras on the side of their house too. Mm-hmm. Then I'll walk back over to their house and I'll say, Okay, Mr. Ebert, looks like you guys do have the new meter. looks like it's working properly. Do you remember installed that? And usually when people say, when you ask that question, I love that question, but when you ask that, people usually say, yeah, no. Uh, what are they, what's the usual answer? They're usually like, yeah, they did something like that a couple of years ago. I'm not sure exactly what they did. I mean, I'm usually at work. Say, yeah, of course, not a big deal. So I'm just here to explain why that's in place. 
<clears throat> and then I'll just kind of go into my pitch. So the reason why they put that on is just because California is in a bad situation with power. We're getting a lot of it shipped in from out of state, Utah, Nevada, Arizona. So they're helping out with a couple of different programs. They first started with those meters, which is part of the net metering program. Then they're helping plump coolers, weather stripping, wind tinting, solar panels, windmills. Have you seen some of that stuff around here? Oh yeah, of course. You know, everyone has that neighbor who has the swamp cooler or the weather stripping or LED light bulb, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, great. Yeah, we're working with those same exact programs. We're just trying to help homeowners reduce their energy usage and in return that helps reduce your guys's energy costs through various different programs and then i'll kind of hint back on the meter so i'll say so because you guys do have this new meter it makes your home more compatible for different clean energy programs so my job for the company is i'm just the data collector i just take a look at your guys's meter make sure you guys are the homeowners and then i take a look at your guys's utility bill your annual consumption of kilowatts is they say oh we don't know that and say okay great yeah you just have one of your Edison bills handy, the mail. Then they'll tell me, I'll say, okay, go grab that real quick. I'll just wait here. And the what I'm saying is matching what is already going on for them in their life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just builds a lot of like rapport and trust because a lot of times people are always like, yeah, a lot of people come around here, but they don't explain it like you guys do. Like I've never heard someone explain it like you guys do. Hmm. And so that's one of the, like the hot buttons i guess you could say is just taking something that they already have and kind of helping them understand more not in like a smart alley kind of a way but just like helping them understand totally totally dude and obviously we have to remember sometimes that we feel like we're talking to them like they're dumb a little bit but as a homeowner they don't know solar they've never heard of this they don't know their power bill they don't know the different rate plans they don't know anything that you feel like everyone probably knows because you're so used to talking about it. Oh yeah. And so I think that like the slower and more dumbed down you can talk and explain and more in depth, you can go on like, Hey, this is what care is. This is what domestic is. Oh, you're already on this one. Okay, cool. This is why your bill's high here, low here. Like stuff like that really helps them add like a lot of trust to you. And it shows them that you can add value to them when you come back. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So you so, educate them, and then what, what? what's after that? Yeah, so at that point, I'll be like, okay, let me just scan. So I'll take a picture of their bill, and I'll say, okay, so when I scan this in, then in a couple hours, they'll just send me back a list of programs that your home specifically qualifies for. By the looks of it, it looks like your bill seems like you could qualify for most things. There's just a couple more questions that I need to ask. Um, just to get a better idea. And so at that point, then I'll pull out my iPad or my phone or whatever I'm using. And I'll just say, okay, so how many people are in the home? Eight people in the home, whatever. How long have you guys been here? Okay, great. What's your phone number? You know, I'll ask a couple of those questions. And then I'll, I'll throw in like a silly question before I start asking like what their credit is. So I'll be like, okay, so do you guys like have any rabbits or like turtles or something like that? <laughs> and it usually... If they're like turtles, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know why it's California. They just give like an extra discount if you have a turtle. And then they're like, oh, maybe I should go get a turtle or something. You know, like I make a joke. I make it light. Do they know it's, do, do they know it's a joke, Cade? I think that's hilarious. I haven't really heard that. So do they know it's a joke? Or they So like they're confused at the beginning, but then they catch on kind of thing? No, dude, they don't know it's a joke. Like legit, if, if they have a turtle and I go back, 
to their house like to go sell them i'll be like yeah so because you guys have the turtle it actually brings the price down to this much more than it would be <laughs> <laughs> or like a a rabbit or something like that Hey, so you're asking the questions of like, all right, what's your phone number? What's your name? How many people live here? How long have you guys lived here? Like whatever questions you want. And then you're like, also, do you guys have any turtles? <laughs> just like that. <laughs> that is funny. Just kind like, of break the ice. Just... Kid, like save the turtles, you know? Yeah, just kind of switch it up. Yeah, and then I'll be like, okay, like we're giggling for a second. And I'm like, the last thing I need to see. So there's a couple different programs. Um Depending where your credit's at, there's programs above 650, there's programs below 650. Do you know where you guys sit with your credit? Then they'll let me know. I'll say, okay, great. Um, is there any other questions you have for me before I go? Okay, sweet. I'll, I'll answer their questions. And then somewhere in between there, I, I guess I forgot to mention, I'll set up a return appointment. I usually try and do for the next day around the same time that I was there. If mm-hmm. That's what works out best for them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So... That's funny. So you ask about their credit on every door. Yeah, I do. Because you just don't want to go back there if they've got crazy bad credit. It's not worth your time kind of thing. Well, yeah. If I haven't asked their credit before, then I'll run into the issue like something just barely happened where, you know, they bought a car, their credit score dropped 60 points for some odd reason, or, you know, they had a foreclosure four years ago. Now they're doing well, or you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. So and then, then when I feel like I have to make a joke and then I ask that, then they're more willing to tell me like, oh yeah, it kind of sucks. You had a foreclosure about six years ago. Is that going to mean, is that going to, you know, deter us? It's like, no, you'll be fine. No, yeah, that makes sense. And so after they tell you like, yeah, credit's good. Do you bring up solar ever in this? Or I mean, I know you kind of talked about, hey, with the new meter, renewable energy really goes well with that. It pumps out, you know, power back. Do you talk about solar any more than that? Or is that kind of where you leave it? No, I will talk about solar more than that. Um, if I'm just, it, it kind of depends on the neighborhood, but like if there's a lot of neighbors that have solar, then I might go knock one of the doors who has solar and I'll ask them about their experience and then just use that person as a reference to every door. Wow. So I'll just be like, yeah, so a lot of the more popular uh, renewable energy programs recently is the solar program and the reason being is just because we're getting so much power shipped from out of state and it's all come the grid system so the grid system is failing us it's caused about 1500 fires this last year Mm -hmm. sometimes out in the desert which they can kind of take care of quicker and sometimes it's here in people's neighborhoods and their home i'm sure you guys have seen the tragedies with that they're like yeah of course you know and say so that's why it's a big push this year it's just because the grid system is i mean we're using it far past what we were supposed to be using it for and nationwide especially here in california homes are popping up left and right and the requirements for requirements for these new homes is they have to be a certain percentage renewable energy or green living so we're just helping homeowners achieve that goal and a benefit of that is reducing your guys's power bill so i feel like in a lot of cases I'm not so much about like just the saving money guy. I'm just trying to bring like value through other different things. So they're not like, oh, this guy's just trying to sell me the whole time. It's like, dang, like this guy is kind of passionate about what he does. He wants to help us get off the grid system. It makes sense. There has been a lot of fires. And so when they go home or when I leave, they're thinking about like, oh yeah, like everyone does need to do their part. And it's not that I'm like a tree hugger kind of guy. I think solar is cool. 
but I think that just like helps stand the way I look, dress in my uniform, the things that I say just helps things go through a little bit better. No, yeah, that's awesome. Guys, if I were you and you're listening to this call, this podcast, I would 100% go back, rewind, re-listen to that again, hear what Hayden just said, because there's so many nuggets in here that Hayden just threw down that's so survivable. I mean, dude, you know so much about this because you've knocked so many doors, you've closed so many deals. I went back and looked, and you're averaging about five deals a week right now. Do you know that? I didn't know that. So you're doing pretty dang good. Some weeks are more, some are less. But, yeah, you're averaging about five a week. Your office is crushing it with about a 1.8 to 2 CPR every week. Always, always doing like, huge numbers. And that's why I love the insight that you shared about, hey, I'm going to go knock on a neighbor's door that already has solar to try and talk to them for five minutes, to try and get their name and their experience. That way, when you're on that same street and you say, oh, yeah, just like the Johnsons, they have solar. I just talked to them. They love it. It's awesome. They did it for this this reason, this reason, this reason. You might want to talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. may never talk to them, but just the fact that you knew their last name, they had solar, and that they liked it, and you open the door is going to show a lot. Oh, yeah. And then also going into like the depth that you talked about after. So that was awesome. So that usually gets you the bill, and then when you have the bill, do you have any tricks for making sure they show up? Like, Do you do any... Do you do anything to say, all right, what time? Do you ask them multiple times? Do you send a text message to them? What do you do to make it actually sit or turn into a sack? Yeah, so I kind of just do everything like jokingly. Um, what I've learned and what my is like if I want to correct something or like I feel like something needs to be kind of corrected, I make a joke out of it because <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm not great with confrontation. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just don't like – the way it makes me feel in some ways and I need to be better at it. But anyways, like with on the doors, I'll just be like, okay, so what time did I say I was coming back in Four, or, you know, well, I'll let them say it. And I'll be like, okay, you passed. Like that was a test. You passed. Yeah. Don't make me a liar. Okay. What time I come back again? Like as I'm, and then like when I hit the sidewalk, I'm like, Hey, what time Four. And it's like laughing. And then like, I definitely hit it a bunch of times. And all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I am pretty busy. Like, I really would appreciate it if you're here. It's not going to take long. It is going to benefit you. If anything, it's going to be better at informing you, you know? Mm-hmm. And that usually keeps them around. That's awesome. That's good. So you do some follow-up. Do you do the whole set of text message or do you not? I do. I actually do. So when I get their number, I'll just be like, hey, I'm about to shoot you a message. Just let me know when you get it. And, uh, there should be, you know, you got it or whatever. And I'll do that right when I'm there. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I've noticed, hopefully the quality's okay. The call's kind of cutting up a little bit. Guys, these podcasts, we have a bunch of podcast gear in our office. And when people are in Utah, in our office, we'll do it that way. But for a lot of people, um, for a lot of people that are in California or Florida, so it's a little bit different. So, Hayden, I just want to have some takeaways. I Guys, everyone that's going to listen to this podcast, I'm so, so jealous I didn't have this back when I was selling. There's so many good things. Some notes I've already written down or taken away from this are, hey, you always need to say the name of the family first. You show up. You introduce yourself. You gesture to yourself. Introduce who you are. Talk about the meter. You always go look at the meter. Um, Sometimes take the homeowner with you. You let them know that they have it and ask them if they were there when it was installed. Help them understand what it does. You then ask them about how much power they normally use. 
then you kind of transition that like, all right, we'll go get your bill. I'll show you. Once they give you the bill, then you actually dissect it with them, go through everything. After the bill's dissected and they have some trust with you that you know what you're talking about, then you'll maybe go into like different programs and how the state has a lot of different programs to help you. You focus more on the renewable energy ones because that's what the meter is compatible with. Then you talk about credit. Then you'll kind of go back and forth on solar a little bit more if you're filling it and kind of go from there. Is that, am I missing anything or is that kind of the nutshell? No, that's pretty good. And I think one thing um, that I noticed too is this kind of goes into like setting and closing, just like how you talked about. You kind of have to have both to be good at it. But as you know, every close that you go into, every family is their own individual. You know, they all want it apt to them specifically, like buying their hot buttons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think the set is the exact same. A lot of times we all know that we can pull a bill. Everyone in the company has probably pulled a bill, probably multiple bills. But when we start getting in these slumps, it's because we know that we can pull a bill, but then we just forget that these people are people too, and we need to find what they need as well. So maybe if that requires you to stay for an extra three minutes just to get the bill, that's totally fine. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's worth spending an extra couple of minutes just to kind of bring it back to real life and make them feel like a human, right? Yeah. For sure. I love that. So, Hayden, if they don't give you a bill, the last question I want to talk about setting real fast is I'm sure you try and schedule all your appointments for the same day or next day, right? And if they don't give you a bill, do you go back and do follow-ups? Do you go try and chase bills down? Do you not? How do you treat those? Just depends how busy I am. Like, if it's, if it's someone that was really solid, like, they might run a business out of their garage, or it seemed like it was worth my time, like, it was a bigger domestic from what I understood, like, they're paying a lot, then if I'm in the area, I'll go try again. But if it's, like, some small care deal where they're like, yeah, we really don't pay that much anyways, I'm not going to waste my time and go back. Like, there's other people that will give me their bill. But if I was struggling for a little bit and... There was only, you know, in this whole neighborhood, there's only like five people that were willing to even talk to me and give me their bill. Then, yeah, another time I would go back. Because usually going back that second time, they're either immediately going to give you their bill and it's going to be good. And you're probably going to go close it. Or they're really just going to tell you, yeah, I'm not interested. Like, I'm not answer their door or something like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you feel like if it's solid, it's worth going back. It's a pretty quick interaction. You want to give the whole spiel. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. So then let's transition this, man. I felt like there were so many good things about clo- about setting that now I really want to make sure we have some time for closing. We have about 10 more minutes of your time on the podcast, and I really think that there's some things that I've already heard from you previously in our interactions that are going to help these guys. So when you show up to a close, you already set the appointment. Sometimes you self-gen it. Sometimes it's for somebody else. When you show up, how does that kind of look? We always talk about there's kind of three separate parts. of Like you get there, you build rapport, you go through the deck, then you go through docs, right? Mm-hmm. How does that look for you? How much time do you spend doing each one of those sections? How long are you usually in the home for? Like, just give me some of your basics about closing, then I'll ask you some more questions after. Yeah, so sometimes I'll like get in slumps, you know, with closers too, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know I can close deals. I just need to like go in there and close them because you know when you have setters for you, you pretty much got appointments every single hour, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, I feel like sometimes the worst part is like where I get in a slump is sometimes when I feel I just need to get better at time managing where like I feel like in order to build good rapport or 
go clam and like you know some people can go to the dodge minutes and minutes to like 50 minutes you know what i mean and so there's a lot of uncertainties in there I don't really know. Like, you know that you can go get the information. And so right off the beginning, I try and build really good rapport. I won't take time to build rapport in the beginning because I always feel like that will cut down the time on the documents. So because they trust me, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's not making me sound for anything weird. And then we can kind of breeze through the documents a lot quicker. So what I usually do is I go in there, talk to them about whatever kind of strikes my interest in them or them and me or whatever and then from the rapport it usually transitions into like what i'm doing which is really the close so i feel like some of my more solid closes is when i hardly use the deck at all it's just a conversation they know what's going on they're aware i've explained they've had the gun for um i only show them a couple of key things on the on the deck and then i kind of move on from there and then we get into documents get them qualified and whatnot so i don't know specifically like the time frame but i feel like probably the first 15 20 minutes is rapport and then between like the rapport and going in it kind of makes it a nice little transition to where they might ask me a question of something that's on the deck and I might just start showing them a couple different things and then ultimately I've showed them everything and then we start the documents maybe about 45 minutes into the, the conversation. Interesting. Okay, awesome, man. I think that if the your service might got a little spotty there because it was kind of in and out on some stuff. So hopefully we don't miss anything. But you said you go in there, you always build a rapport. You're huge into rapport because without rapport, then when it comes to docs, it's going to be kind of tough. That's how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But they have to trust you as a human. And you said that you built a report for so long that sometimes you just kind of transition the report into your deck and you don't even use your deck that much. You just kind of pull it up and use it if you need it, but kind of answer questions as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Interesting. Much. Conversation. So, yeah. It's more of a conversation. It's not like more of a, it's not as much of like a presentation. It's more of a conversation about the presentation. Right? Yep. And so you use the deck, you use the same deck everybody else's use, I'm assuming, right? Yep. I think a lot of times when people listen to these calls or these podcasts and they hear guys like you that throw down five deals a week, they're like, oh man, Hayden must be using some deck that's like special and perfect. It's way different than mine. <laughs> but really, it's all the same thing. You just have mastered how to kind of go through it and answer their questions, resolve objections. And then that usually takes you about 45 minutes. And then how much time do you usually spend on the docs, would you say? It kind of depends on where they're at. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it, you know, takes 30 minutes. So I would say a good average probably be 15 minutes. What I'll do is I'll be like, so everything that I've just talked about, um, it's all just in writing here in the documents. There's some things that do apply, apply to you, some things that don't. I will show you the things that do apply to you right now. But then everything that doesn't apply to you, if you want to read those, it will be in your email and you can just read over those whenever you have some free time. And then I'll kind of reiterate some of the different things like, we don't know for sure if your roof qualifies. We don't know for sure if this is going to work out. This is just kind of getting the process started getting them out here to do a site survey. So you don't have to feel too pressured to do anything. I mean, nothing's set in stone. I'm just trying to make it not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then you got you show them a few key points of the docs or the CPUC or whatever they're wondering about. And then after that, you transition and you say, okay, now let's get you signed. 
And then after those docs are signed, do you spend some more time there, like building rapport again, or do you just kind of walk out, or how does that very end look like? When I'm about five minutes away from leaving, I'll kind of give them like an overview of what's going on and what else I need. So sometimes what I'll do is like, as we're going to the documents, I might tell the other spouses like, okay, so we're going to need this, this, and this. Can you go grab that real quick? And then just kind of get the ball rolling. Like, I just need this, this, and this, and I'm out of your guys' hair for now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, just give me like 10 more minutes. And I kind of just update them. Okay, just one one more two things, kind of asking for some of their questions, how they're feeling about everything. And then I feel like usually about an hour later, they just learn so much. They're kind of, I don't know, like, they're just like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, whatever you need, we'll do it. Huh, that is interesting. And so you just kind of keep following up, keep on saying, hey, one more thing, last thing, just kind of tie up all loose ends. Then you head out of there. So how long would, it, would you say it takes you to close a deal? To get in, build a rapport, give them a pitch, get the doc signed, get out? Hour 15, probably. Interesting. So about an hour 15 minutes, sometimes maybe a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. And then if you if they don't close, kind of a follow-up question is, do you schedule a follow-up with them? Do you say, hey, um, do you can I come back tomorrow? Do you want me to come back? Like, How do you deal with it when they say, hey, we're not ready to sign up today? Or do you just say, hey, call me if you want to? Depends on the, the reason. Um, like, I, I feel like my two-touch appointments don't really work out as well as I'd hope. Um, I'm always like, oh, yeah, dude, these guys are solid. They're just going to sign up on Monday. They want me to go back next Monday, you know, set up follow up. And I get there like, you know, we thought about it. We don't want it. So that's something I'm actually working on right now where I feel like I get a lot of two, two touch things where the specific area that I'm in, I feel like a lot of people have multiple family members on the title of the home. Mm. So it's like I can go and I can sell everyone who's there and half the people on the title of the home then. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, we want to do this. Like, we'd love to do this right now, but we have to talk to our brother. He was the one who actually helped us get into this home. And so we just feel like we'd be disrespectful if we didn't, you know, just let him know what was going on. He shouldn't have any issues with it or whatever. And then this is the brother who's down in, you know, West Covina, L.A., something like that, that just freaking hates solar, you know? Totally, totally. So you feel like if they don't sign up the first time, they may never. Pretty much. I mean, and, and I feel like a lot of times the people that I've like would sell them home, I've, I've been trying to find ways around that. Like, well, you guys are the ones that live in the home. I mean, you're the ones that are going to be paying for it. Your names are the only ones that have to be on here. You under understand everything. And then they're like, oh, we just like we had to talk to our brother about it or someone or the, the parents like we just need to talk to our kids. And I just feel like that's where my disconnect is, where it's like, I don't know if that's just a smoke screen. And so a lot of times I'll be like, okay, yeah, let's just call your son right now. And then there's been a couple of times that we have, and it worked out in our favor. And there's been a couple of times we called him, and it was like, absolutely do not sign one thing with that guy. He's probably a fake. No. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of hit and miss. So you try your best to get him signed up the first time right when you're there. But you will do a follow-up here and there if you need to. Yeah, it depends on how solid they were. They're like, yeah, we just, I just need to run this through my brother. Just kind of let him know. Like, I don't have to ask him. I just got to let him know. Then sweet, yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back. That's some solid. But if it's like, yeah, I don't know. He hasn't really liked solar in the past. 
because of this reason. I'm like, well, do you think we could get him up here and we could talk to him? And they're like, well, he lives, you know, three hours away and he only comes by on holidays and I don't think he would want to talk to you on a holiday. You know, then I'm like, you know what? I'll just give you my phone number. Run up by him. Give me a call. Totally. So you don't push it. You're like, dude, I can see that, like, this is going to be a goose chase, crazy to try and get this guy to listen to me. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it all kind of comes back down to, like, the system size and, like, you know, how much is it going to benefit us? Is it, is it going to be worth my time to spend an extra two hours chasing around this deal in the future? Mm-hmm. No, that makes total sense. So I'm curious. I think that that's such good feedback you just gave about the whole presentation. What are some of the main, like, if you had to boil it down to what are the main three objections that you hear of why people don't want to go solar and how do you answer those three? So the first one is probably just like we want to think about it. Um, that's probably number one. The way that I'll do that is I'll just be like, what is there to think about? Like, I feel like a lot of times um, people will just say that and not really know why. Like, they don't really have any objections, but they just feel like, wow, this is just happening so fast. It's like a big decision. Like, I just don't know if this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of will reiterate. I'll go back to that slide that just says seven steps of going solar. And I'll reiterate and say, we really do not know for sure if your home will qualify. And we won't know until after the site survey. So there's this period of time between the site survey and the blueprints where we can put it on hold. We can wait. We can answer more questions. We just want to know if your home qualifies. And I'll like reiterate that for a while people that just want to think about it um the second thing would be like oh i just feel like i need to talk to this person about it then like i'll either if it's their neighbor like okay let's just go knock on your neighbor's door let's just go talk to them real quick see what their experience is mm-hmm. or let's call them real quick like just call them really you know you have their number let's just pull it up real quick and call it that'd be the second objection and then the third objection it's usually like, yeah, we just know so many people who have had like a true up bill or they put a lien on their property or something. And then I'll just kind of reiterate. I might write down on my computer. I'll send them an email. I'll just be like, okay, what's your email? But like, I don't even know how this works, but sometimes it's like, this is Hayden Richards. And I'm stating that this solar system for Jake Ebert does not extend a lien on the property. Hmm. And, and I send it to him. Yeah, just like something in writing like, okay, to prove right. something. So you usually just send them a little something in writing, even though it doesn't really really mean anything. It just shows them that you're serious about it, that you're willing to back that up later. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'll just be like, it's between you, me, and God at this point. And we're just like, just like we can shake on it. Like, I'll tell you, like, I'll look you straight in the eyes. And it doesn't happen often because I feel like a lot of people just like can see the integrity or they can see that I'm not really out to hurt anyone financially or in any way possible. And I feel like I, I won't run into those issues that often, but if I do like, yeah, I can just send them an email or like last night I called Hunter and Hunter sent an email. He's like, yeah, I want your manager to say it. So hmm. Hunter just did that same thing and it worked, you know, it just like, I don't know what it is, but it works. Wow. So, I mean, that's a good tool, but that's a good tool to have in your tool belt that if you ever need to, you might want to pull it up here and there. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What do you, 
I guess kind of my last questions are, we're kind of getting to that hour mark, and I know you have places to be, and we all got things to do. So if you could go back and tell yourself something as a brand new solo rep, what would you say? And what are you telling guys in your team right now that are new to expect and to, to keep doing and to focus on, et cetera? Yeah, I always tell people this. Um, I'm not like a super crazy fan of like the Dark Knight, like the Joker or whatever movie. Mm-hmm. I like it, but there's something that the Joker says in there when he's talking about like executing the mayor or something. He's like, if I tell the people that I'm going to kill the mayor tomorrow, everyone's going to freak out, but they're not going to go crazy. But if I just randomly kill the mayor, everyone's going to go crazy. And so what I take away from that, which is kind of weird, is just like expect it and plan it into your day. Expect people are going to tell you no. Expect it's going to be hot. You know, expect a couple different things. And expect successes too. And when you do that, you can keep a more even kill and you can just go about doing your business and not go too deep into the valleys and not have too high of peaks that you fall down from. Mm, okay. So you so you just try and set proper expectations in the beginning. You wish you would have been better at just understanding that it's going to happen. It is what it is. It's part of the job. Yeah. One thing um, – this is just goes for like if I could give my myself advice, at least for like the manager standpoint that I'm in right now. Um, I wish beforehand with my other managers and just other people in my life, the way that I go about like asking my question, my my questions to a manager, where I feel like, you know, it it's hard to. I'm trying to think of the words to describe this, but. Jake, as you know, and I'm sure a lot of other people know, is like, do you consider yourself a good rep in a team? You know, what kind of questions do you ask your manager? What kind of initiatives are you taking to do things for yourself? And I feel like um, if I could go back, there were so many more things available to me that I just didn't really care to go at Mm. because I just wasn't put in that position but i feel like if i could go back i would have just tried to take more advantage of the things that were right in front of my face like how do i ask questions before i ask this question is there a place that i can find it because i feel like most of the information i've learned that has really stuck with me is what i sought out for myself totally like what you actually went and learned so you wish if you go back which i think we all just like you said i think we're all at that point where you wish you could have been more proactive from the beginning Right, not Pretty reactive, much. but more proactive. And so you would tell reps, be more proactive, study more. You have so many more tools than you even think are available to you. Take advantage of them type of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Dude, I think that's awesome feedback. And Hayden, you've been such a great person to have on the podcast. I think that everyone's going to learn a lot from this. And some of my takeaways and what I kind of liked about the podcast was we didn't spend as much time on the clothes and set, but we actually spent a lot of time on how to grow a team and expectations and what's possible and vision. And there's so many things that people can listen to and learn. So I appreciate your time, dude. We'll wrap things up because our hour mark is there. But thanks for being on. I appreciate your time. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on.